You're listening to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Rydell. We're hanging out here today because one day while hiking in Peru, after just having been let go from my dream job, it hit me. There's so much more to life and there's no excuse for not embracing uncertainty and trying new things to really explore our full potential in this lifetime. On this weekly podcast, you'll hear from successful entrepreneurs, creative thinkers, and visionaries just like you so that you feel less alone as you pursue everything you want and deserve in this lifetime. This is a space where big sky thinking is welcomed and conversations about daily betterment are essential. So if you're ready to stop living an ordinary life and start living a visionary life, then welcome home. Hey, visionaries, you are here. You're back. You're taking time out of your precious day to listen to the Visionary Life podcast. And for that, I am super grateful. And I thought I would take a few minutes to just chat with you, just me and you, before we get into this week's episode. First, I wanted to say happy final weeks of 2021. It is November 21st at the time of this recording. And I just can't believe what a year 2021 has been. For me, it's been the best and the worst year of my life. Does that make sense? As most of you know, I lost my mom four months ago unexpectedly, and that really rocked my world and obviously the world of my family. And I literally cried as I typed out in preparation for this recording, so sometimes just the subtlest mention of her can really send me into a spiral. And honestly, some days I do think of her and I smile. It's like this happy light shines over me. And other days I think of her and then fall into total disbelief that she's gone. My mom was my best friend and my daily phone buddy. And I loved spending time with her. I felt safe with her. And I felt like when nobody else understood me, that she did and she supported me and I miss her every day and there are moments I just don't really want to imagine my life going on without her because it's super painful. But as life would have it, it's also been my best year ever. And so I want to introduce to you this word dichotomy and maybe this is relatable in your life too. Like you can straddle two different worlds at once and I say that because I'm doing it right now. And the word dichotomy is simply defined as a division or a contrast between two things that are or are represented as being opposite or entirely different. So having the best and worst year of my life, it really makes no sense. Not to me and probably not to you, but that is exactly how I feel. So maybe you're experiencing some sort of dichotomy right now, and I want to give you permission to just accept that maybe... Something you're doing right now is both the hardest thing you've ever done, but also could be the easiest thing, right? Like think about that dichotomy. There's one end of the spectrum and there's the other. And I think it's okay. And maybe I'm not even using that word correctly. I'm not an English major, but anyways, that's kind of how I'm doing these days. And you know what? On the bright side, these past 12 months have been jam-packed with meaningful interactions, both through the podcast, through the Visionary Method, which is the online business coaching experience that I lead every single Wednesday, which you can learn more about by clicking the link in the show notes. Um, The past year has been packed with magical memories, moments of peace, moments of joy. Uh, We moved into our house, like our forever home 14 months ago, and life has never been better. And not because I'm living some sort of fancy life or moved to this extravagant city, like I'm living in a small town, but I found like I've finally discovered or I've found heaven on earth. And it's a place that brings Dave and I moments of joy and happiness every day. And I literally said to Dave the other day, I'm so glad that I'm finally at a point in my life where I know exactly what makes me happy and I have no hesitation in pursuing exactly that every day because I see so many people around me struggling with mental health, which affects their relationship, their business, their experience every day. And I I want to make sure I take care of myself enough to keep myself in a good headspace. And for me, it looks like biking, hiking every day, enjoying simple dinners and campfires at home with Dave and 
I pursue those things because I feel whole when I do that. And if you're someone who's still on a journey towards discovering what lights you up, I want to encourage you to keep on looking. It's worth it. It's worth the journey. It's worth, you know, like waking up every day and trying new things. So keep searching. And, you know, this podcast, it's called Visionary Life because I really do believe that when we're in a constant pursuit of our own most visionary lives, we become better as human beings, as partners, as moms, wives, whatever we are. We become happier and we become more open-minded. And I guess I'm taking this time to verbally reflect on the roots of my business and of the visionary brand. And when I really think about it, like there were some conversations maybe six or seven years ago, I vividly remember one that happened at a coffee shop in Roncesville. And I was chatting about uh, how much my friend, or I was sitting down with a friend for context. We were in our mid twenties at a time. And she went on this hour rant of how much she hated her job. And she was talking about how much she disliked her colleagues. She wanted to do something else with her life. And she went on and on and then proceeded to tell me that it would probably be too hard for her to ever make a change. And she never knew like whether she could bounce from this industry and move on to something else. And my heart broke in that moment for her because I looked at this wonderful, beautiful, educated woman in her 20s with no kids, no mortgage. And she, like so many other people that I was talking to at the time, felt stuck, felt stagnant, felt unhappy felt almost hopeless. And I just knew that if she was feeling that, there were probably so many others, especially people in um, tougher positions than her, like who maybe have multiple kids, who had a home that they had purchased and were more accountable to bringing in the paycheck, right? And I thought, if she's feeling like this, there's got to be so many other people who feel stuck and don't know what to do about it. And that's why I wanted to do something. I wanted to start the visionary brand. And so I launched this hub on the internet with some resources for people like my friend. And I thought, you know what? That's a start. I don't know what I'm building here, but I want to build something. And I'm so glad I did. I had no plan. Nothing was done perfectly. I just started. And that's it. So I just wanted to share kind of what was on my heart. And I think in pivoting to this week's episode, someone else who just started uh, at a low point when he was sleeping on an air mattress with a drained bank account is Jesse Cole. And Jesse Cole is this week's podcast guest. Now, I released this episode on another podcast that I host. It's called The Marketing Hotline. And it got such a great response. Um, And that podcast is brand new, by the way, that I wanted to air the episode here as well. And just before I move on, I want to ask you if you are subscribed to the Marketing Hotline. So like I said, I launched a second podcast that's just focused on marketing. It's a podcast for small business owners and entrepreneurs who want to know more about innovative marketing strategies and time-honored techniques that can be used in your business to support exponential growth. I release episodes each week, just like Visionary Life, um, and I'd love to have you over on that platform. So if you could take a second, actually, just pause this episode and go search The Marketing Hotline anywhere podcasts can be found. So the marketing hotline and just hit the subscribe button just so as I release these epic interviews that I've been hosting, you'll be one of the first to receive them. So if you want to be one of my first 100 subscribers to the marketing hotline, I would absolutely love that. We are early in this journey of launching the second podcast, but the quality of the content is pretty epic. So on that note, let's hear from Jesse Cole, who is arguably one of the best and most interesting marketers in history. So enjoy the episode. I have another intro on Jesse coming up. And please share a screenshot if you enjoy this episode and share it on Instagram stories. You can tag me at Kelsey Rydell or at The Marketing Hotline. This week on The Marketing Hotline, I'm sitting down with Jesse Cole, who is the founder of Fans First Entertainment, the creator of the Savannah Bananas, and the author of Find Your Yellow Tux. 
His teams have welcomed more than 1 million fans to their ballparks and have been featured on MSNBC, CNN, ESPN, and in Entrepreneur Magazine. But it wasn't always sunshine and bananas in Jesse's world. Just over five years ago, him and his wife were sleeping on an air mattress. They drained their bank account, and they were about to take the biggest risk of their life, getting the Savannah Bananas started up. I was first introduced to Jesse and his epic story through the I Love Marketing podcast, and I can honestly say that from that moment forward, I was hooked on what he was saying. He's truly a marketing genius, and I've been consuming his book uh, nonstop since I bought it. Jesse's approach to building a brand rather than a business and creating fans instead of customers is the exact type of marketing that I can stand behind. He's not preaching expensive Facebook ads or fancy funnels, but he is telling you to create an epic product and to have a memorable experience or unforgettable. Jesse's about to share so much wisdom with you guys, and I can promise you that whether you're running a baseball team like Jesse is, or just starting your own home-based business or online business, his marketing tips are going to rock your world. So if you want to grab a copy of Jesse's book, then I'm going to link it in the show notes, and I honestly highly suggest you do. It's a fun read. It's an easy read, truly packed with gold nuggets. And also, if you want to dive into Jesse's podcast, it's called The Business Done Differently Show. So if you're ready to stand out by thinking different, by creating attention and creating fans for life, then this episode is for you. So let's dive in with Jesse Cole. Jesse Cole, welcome to the Marketing Hotline podcast. So my first question to all my guests is, when people call you for marketing advice, what topics are they usually picking your brain on? <laughs> usually it's how do you come up with ideas? How do you come up with these crazy ideas? You know, I think a lot about marketing is you have to be able to come up with ideas to promote in a different way. So it is how do you come up with ideas and how do you get your fans so involved and engaged with what you guys are doing? So. Uh, I hear those questions a lot. And then the, the last one is probably, how are you selling out every game? How do you create that sold out uh, experience? So that's what I hear a lot from a marketing standpoint. I'm so excited to dig into these topics with you. So I'm curious, can you give us a little bit of a backstory on why people are coming to you advice on how to generate crazy ideas and how to sell out games? I know there is a reason why you are so passionate about this, and uh, I'd love to hear how you got involved in this concept. <laughs> sure. Well, I'm still the one going out to lots of people and asking questions. I'm still the student asking the questions and learning. But, you know, I think people started coming to us because, uh, you know, it's a crazy story. You know, when you think about it six years ago, um, we came into Savannah, Georgia, my wife and I, uh, with an idea of, of having a new baseball team after baseball had failed for 90 years. And we only sold two tickets in our first three months. I mean, which is the worst business you could ever do, two tickets. And, uh, you know, after six months, we got a call that we overdrafted our account and we were out of money and that uh, we had to sell our house and empty out our savings account. And for six months, we were marketing like everyone else. We were doing social media and newspaper and radio and, hey, we're here, but no one cared because we were the same as everyone else. I wasn't wearing the yellow tuxedo. I wasn't talking about how we were going to be different. We were just trying to fit in because we were scared. We were the new kid in town. And then we decided to go dramatic crazy and we named the team after a fruit and, you know, came up with the, the senior citizen dance team, the banana nanas and the male cheerleading team, the mananas and our mascot split and go bananas and break dance and coaches and banana babies and you name it, we tried it. And uh, when we came up with all that, people started saying, this is different. And I think that's one of the biggest keys in, in marketing is what makes you different. And they started saying that this is something different that you're doing and they were intrigued. And then, uh, after a lot of criticism, uh, now we've been fortunate to sell at every game and have a wait list over 12,000 for tickets. Unbelievable. And yeah, I think like what I've really drawn from your work is that you've created something completely different and that you've kind of mastered the art of standing out in a crowd. And so I want to read an excerpt from, I think it's from the foreword of your book. And it's from somebody who attended a baseball game for the first time. So it was their first experience with the Savannah Bananas. And they said, I took four pages of notes that night at the ball game. I didn't keep track of runs, errors, or play 
player's name, but I saw six-month-old babies honored as baby of the night. I saw ladies given roses during break times. I saw inflatable monkeys being bounced around. And this person goes on to spitball all of the things that were catching their attention. So I'm curious, why is it that you've gone so far above and beyond to create this memorable experience? Why does it matter? <laughs> I think the biggest key for everybody is to put yourself in the customer's shoes. You hear everyone say that, but how often do you actually do it? And I remember, and I'm a big disciple of, I'm looking right now in my office, a custom poster of Walt Disney. I have Walt Disney quotes all over him and P.T. Barnum. And how Walt came up with the concept of Disneyland, he was sitting at a park bench and his daughter was going on a carousel. And he said, man, I wish there was something that kids and adults could have fun doing the same time at the same time. And that was his vision. And he said, you know what? There isn't like that. You know, the, my daughter's having a great time, but I'm sitting here on a bench. Why can't there be something that we both can have fun at? So I remember sitting in a dugout very similar to Walt and in a coaching baseball team with the best players in the world and the best seat in the house. And I was bored out of my mind. Ah. So the best seat in the house and I was bored. And I played baseball. I coached baseball. I knew baseball, but I was bored. And I sat there thinking, wow, what if there was something that no one would be bored out of a baseball game? And that everyone had something that was fun, exciting, entertaining. And from that vision, it was able to create our entire master plan of nonstop entertainment. So what I realized is any time that I get bored at a game is an opportunity to entertain a fan. Mm. So that's why, you know, we have professional high fivers, which is like a six-year-old kid who goes around <laughs> and high five fans. That's why we have a princess, Princess Potassia, who literally is singing throughout the night in the pep band. And we literally try to map every single moment. And when you think about marketing, everything is marketing. Every touch point, every interaction with your customer is marketing. So how do you make every interaction remarkable? So that's how we kind of crafted and scripted our experience to try to make everything remarkable. So because we didn't have the money, Kelsey, to do marketing. We were you know, on an airbed. We had zero dollars. So we had to make the experience marketable so then our fans would tell everyone about it and that would help draw the business. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that goes so often overlooked in marketing. People like they make a mediocre product and then they're like, let's layer on top an epic marketing plan and pour all this money into Facebook ads. And it's like, oh, but your product or your experience sucks. So like, why not go back and focus on that? And then like you just said, when your experience is so good, people can't help but talk about you. They can't help but tell their friend at the coffee shop the next day or share it on social media because they feel like, whoa, this is epic. And all they want to do is take out their phone and like share it on Instagram. So I think that's such an important reminder for our listeners. You have to have, in your words, a remarkable experience, a remarkable product. And yeah. I love that you said you kind of looked at every touch point in a baseball game and said, where do I get bored? And it's cool because I think every great entrepreneur is just identifying a problem or a challenge or a pain point. And that's what you saw. You're like, you know what? This part in a game is boring. How can we spice it up, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's seek out the unremarkable in your experience. So literally, I mean, we, I look for every unremarkable moment. And so the way we do this, I said, you put yourself in your customer's shoes. So literally what do we do? Every night, someone on our team goes undercover as a fan. I do it. I take the yellow tux off. Our, our, my wife does it. Our president does it. Our interns do it. And we, at the end of the night, we record and we tell everyone, what were the fans' first moments, special moments, and then what were the friction points? What were the frustration points? And what was the unremarkable? And if you do that over and over again every night, we don't need to do surveys. I'm against surveying the fans. Let's put <laughs> ourselves in the shoes and actually see, you know, surveys are so biased. Let's actually watch our fans. Let's sit with our fans. Let's experience with our fans. That's how you find what really matters. And so we do that over and over again. You know, when I called my voice, our voicemail five years ago, and it was a boring voicemail. And it was like, you know, the regular ones, everyone has, please listen closely as menu options change. I was like, we need to change our voicemail. That's boring. And so now our voicemail is, Savannah, na, na, na. You've reached the Savannah, bananas, na, na, na. And it's the song to Camilla Caballa. So yeah. speak out the unremarkable. And that's what we try to do. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny because I think a lot of entrepreneurs and new business owners, they get so caught up in the early stages of just like the stress and overwhelm that can come alongside building a business. And they forget that building this brand is supposed to be fun, right? And you don't have to just do the standard voicemail or the standard email signature, I know is something you've mentioned. Or, you know, when um, you just think about like all the touch points when you're interacting with your customers, 
you don't have to follow the template, right? Why not make it fun again? And I know you're a big proponent of bringing the fun back into your business. And especially because I'm sure like the voice and the personality of your brand is meant to be enjoyable and um, just like very engaging. So why not reflect that in everything that you do? So like, what would you say to someone who's never done an audit of their business and kind of has forgotten that fun can be a part of marketing? I love it. You're a fun on it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think um, people are scared. They're scared of what people think. Oh, we have a professional business. Well, I, again, I'm very biased, but I'll tell you, people are hungry for fun. And mm -hmm. I believe every business is in the entertainment business. I don't care what you are, whether you're a dentist, whether you're a doctor, whether you're because what's the definition of entertain? It's to provide enjoyment and to provide amusement. We're mm -hmm. all in the entertainment business. So, you know, the easiest opportunity, yes, we go as far as our invoices are over the top. Our invoices are remarkable and ridiculous. They weren't for many years, but now it's like, these are boring. But, yeah. you know, when people are buying, you know, if you have a business, people are buying from you. This is a huge moment. Don't take it for granted. So most people, they buy from you. It might be online. It might be at your store. They buy and it's over. You get a payment mm -hmm. confirmation, maybe. Yeah, it's, it's gone. Make it a celebration. Make it over the top. They just bought from you. Celebrate them like they just won the, the lottery. And if you just create that moment, it sets the tone for really the, the relationship you want with your customer. And what I'm passionate about, Kelsey, is I think I'm on a movement that there's too many customers out there, clients, vendors. We need to create fans. It's a different conversation. If I ask you right now, I ask you, what, what's something or someone that you're a big fan of? Like right now, you think I'm a fan of this or what? A quick word from our premier sponsor of the Visionary Life podcast, and that is Healthy Planet. If you are a health nut like me, you're going to love that you can save money on the brands you already purchased by ordering online from Healthy Planet. They love our visionary community and want to support all of us in living our best lives. So you can shop at Healthy Planet entirely online and products will be dropped at your doorstep within just a few days. It's so easy, so convenient, and that gives you no excuse to say it's really hard to eat healthy because it's not. So treat your body, your mind, and your business with the fuel it deserves from Healthy Planet. You can shop by department, dietary need, or even just check out the sale rack. It's such an efficient way to ensure you're stocked up on all your favorite health goods all of the time. Use code VISIONARY10 at checkout to save on your Healthy Planet order. That's VISIONARY10 at checkout. Well, I think of a brand, it's a like a functional chocolate bar that I love called Midday Squares. And I'm a fan of the founders. So I'm also a fan of the product because it's just like all about storytelling of how they're building the company to become the next um, like billion dollar chocolate company. 100%. And right now, as I can see, you, you lit up, you actually leaned in. You, yeah, got like you, can feel, you can feel the energy coming from you when you're a fan. If you're like, you know, I'm a customer of the, uh, the gas station down the road. Yeah, it's a different, it's a different tone, different excitement. You don't want to talk about that, but you just told me about this functional chocolate company, which you know you're excited to share about. There's mm -hmm. a different conversation. So the only way you create a fan is if you have a compelling story, something that makes you different, and you hit with remarkable touch points. Like that's how you create a fan. And so we're th we're focused on that creating a fan every single touch point, every single thing we do. Are we creating a fan? Or are we creating a customer? Big different conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What about for somebody listening who really doesn't know what sets them apart, what makes their brand different? They've never even considered that they can infuse more of who they are into their business or to create these mm -hmm. fun touch points. Like, what if they have no idea where to begin? How would you guide someone to actually find what's going to set them apart from everybody else in their industry? So that's a tough, you know, we say whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. So, <laughs> I love yeah. that though. <laughs> uh, so, so uh, if you're normal, you're in trouble. So I, I would, I would think again, look at all the normal things that you do in your business. And then what part of that would excite you to change? So whether it is the first impression, the last impressions, the buying experience, whether it is um, how you do video, find something that gets you excited and then lean in heavy on that. So Kelsey, for example, for us, you know, we were just experimenting, you know, when we first tried, you know, oh, we'll have our players do choreographed dances. We had no idea if that was going to work. And then we just, we tried halftime shows during a baseball game, which doesn't make any sense. We've given away Porta Johns and colon cleansings. We've tried it all. <laughs> but what we started to realize, it was like the thing that works the best is simple. It's we make baseball fun. 
So anything that leans on that, because baseball is so boring, that shows us making baseball fun in a dramatic way. Can we be the most fun team in baseball? So the question for someone that's, that's listening is like, what can you be the most of? Mm-hmm. Can you be the most of X? And, and, and that could be your come differentiator. You know, even, I mean, certain there's this hotel in Savannah. They are, they are just known for their moon pies. Like that's what they're known for. They moon pies and like, like one thing they're known for. It's like they're known for the moon pies. So uh, we give out the most moon pies of any hotel in the, in the world. Like we yeah. are, what, whatever it is, but, but lean on that thing that you can be known for. And I think that's, that's where it starts for us. We are going to lean on everything that we do that is the most fun team in baseball. Mm. And funny, I don't even know what a moon pie is. I don't know if I'm living under it's a, a rock. It's a crazy, it's a weird dessert. We actually started giving away banana moon pies uh, for free. At our game. Yeah, because it just fits. You know, again, when fans are leaving, it was another touch point that we could give. But yeah, it's, but now you're like intrigued. What's a moon pie? And it's like, yeah. okay, I'm intrigued. So yeah, that's it. What, what's, what's that one? What do you want to be known for? And I think maybe that's an easier question than what makes you different. What yeah. do you want to be known for? And then you can lean on that to be your differentiator. Mm. I think this concept sometimes feels challenging for people because when we are different, we are often becoming a polarizing figure, right? Our world kind of values the status quo and people who stay in their lane. And it's just like, just do it the way it's always been done. And even in business classes in college and university, like they're just teaching the standard textbook and they're like, don't stray off course, follow these templates, follow step one through 10. And that's what we value in this society. But what you're saying and what so many other um, of my marketing mentors offer often tell me is to be different, but I just think that that it can be an isolating experience. And I know in your case, uh, when you decided on the name Savannah Bananas, that's not a usual baseball name. And I think uh, that was quite polarizing and you were subjected to quite a lot of criticism. I have some things written here that people wrote in saying, this is, this is an embarrassment to the city of Savannah. The owner doesn't know anything about baseball. This is the most ridiculous and insulting thing. So, you know, when you're different, you stand out. And of course there are going to be critics. However, I think what you're saying is there's probably going to be a disproportionate number of people who freaking love what you do and they will spend so much money with you and they will tell their friends. But I think it's easy to be held back by those naysayers. So how did you feel when you got those comments? And did you ever kind of waver in your belief thinking, what the hell have I done here? <laughs> that was a turning point uh, for us, huge turning point. Now, again, not only we were failing on an airbed, zero dollars, um, and people don't know the week before we got our first shipment of t-shirts in and there were too many N's in bananas. We actually misspelled bananas, <laughs> our first ever shipment of t-shirts. So it's a ridiculous story in itself. So we, we were having so many failures going on to it. And we knew as we announced this name, we knew people weren't going to like it. We just knew. And it was, it was because it was too silly, too goofy, you know, with sports teams, you want to have like pride behind. And it was like, you're yeah. a fruit, like you're really yeah. a fruit. And so <laughs> So we spent two, we spent two days working with our team and teaching and coaching how to handle all the insults. So we were we were trying to prepare and uh, and then it happened and it was much worse than I anticipated. Uh, we got hit really hard nationally. I mean, we were number one trending on Twitter that night, which was crazy for a launch. Oh my for a God. Number one trending on Twitter, merchandise all over the world, and we were charging six dollars shipping then and to ship to the UK and uh, Australia. We were losing a ton of money on that, but a lot of mistakes. But regardless, what happened is we we tra- we trained and t- taught everyone how to handle it. But when it happened, it hurts. However, it created conversation. And again, as a disciple of, of PT Barnum, um, you know something terrible happens without promotion. Nothing. And attention beats marketing one thousand percent of the time. If you're creating attention, that will that that is the starting point for everything. You can't get the hearts of your customers or fans until you get the eyes and the ears. So for us from that point, because we got criticized so much, we created so much attention that finally people knew we were in town. And now they could start to realize the story. They could be, oh, the bananas, I hate them. And someone's like, no, they actually like they have a senior citizen dance team. No, they have a male cheerleading team. Wait, every ticket is all inclusive. And then they start to that story that we were telling before. No one cared because we didn't have the attention of the audience. So what I believe now more than anything is if you're not getting criticized, you're playing it too safe. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. from now on, everything like we've changed the rules of baseball. Like we're playing a brand new game called banana ball. And literally it's a two hour time baseball game. Batters can steal first. 
There's no bunting because bunting sucks. And if a fan catches a foul ball, it's an out. <laughs> this is not your grandpa's game, all right, yeah. at all. And we lose baseball traditionalists every day. Right. But what's happening is this other huge audience is traveling hundreds of miles. I mean, we had a family drive 40 hours from Utah to come to a game and drive 40 hours back the next day because they want to see something they've never seen before. So you have to be willing to get criticized. When we came up with Dolce and Banana underwear, we got criticized. <laughs> you know, it's all those things. But the other people are like, no, these guys are cool. And it's on brand for us to do things that are a little off-center. Hmm. Yeah, it sounds like you've really like mastered the art of creating brand evangelists, like people who would bend over backwards for you guys. And I love that you shared that 40 hours story because I, I think I read that in your book. Now you you have this concept called like, does it pass the 40 hour test? Like would people drive 40 hours for this experience? And that really stuck with me. It's like, if I'm gonna, you know, bring together my community and uh, I don't know, do a training, it's like, would people drive 40 hours to sit in person for this? Is it that good? Is it that much fun? Is it that memorable? And if not, it's like, how can I make this experience even better so that that person would yeah. get in the car just to come see a two-hour baseball game? And I think that's the truest testament. Um, and now I always have in the back of my mind, does it pass the 40 hours test? So thank you <laughs> for know. introducing that concept. I, you know, and I'll go along with that for a little bit too. And everyone else is like, you know, what, what, do you, what is marketing? Like, what, what's the definition of great marketing? And I go, <laughs> And I, and I said like, yes, 40 hours is definitely one, but also is it shareable? Yeah. You know, we're, when we, we, every month we evaluating our videos and yes, we're fortunate. We had, I think we had 68 million views in our videos this past summer alone. And like 24 videos went over a million views, but that's, that's all sexy and exciting, but I don't care about that as much. What I care about is how many shares a video. Right. Has. Share builds social currency. If someone's willing to share it, that means it makes them look cool. That means they want it. That's the definition of remarkable. So I, I think, you know, are you creating something that's shareable? Are you creating something that's camera worthy, that people want to actually pull out their phone and take a picture or a video of what you're doing? And when you start thinking in that way, you know, this is an Instagram world. This is a TikTok world. How are you creating those moments that giving your customers and fans the opportunity that they want to share? They want to pick this up and say, oh, look at this, or I got to capture this. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens. So fortunately that we built in our games because it's part of a, a design. We, we script it, we plan it. There's a reason why we have a full march come up before we open the gates with our band and our high fiver and our bananas. Like we've got this whole march. We don't just say open the gates and let them come. It's all about creating this whole experience that people want to feel like they're a part of something. And so that's how we look at design. And then that makes people want to drive 40 hours because they're seeing something they haven't seen before. Mm -hmm. And I can just anticipate what people are thinking at this point. They're probably thinking, well, Jesse, you must just be so creative and the eyes, ideas must just be like oozing out of you. Like if only I could be that creative, if only I could generate so many remarkable ideas like that. I'm curious, what is your process for continuing to generate these fun ideas? Because I know you're always testing concept, the banana shaped tickets, the banana cream soda, the banana drive throughs like literally the list goes on and people We'll have to pick up your book to read about all these crazy ideas but how do you brainstorm like is it just you are you the creative visionary are you spitballing with your team like can you just walk us through how you're constantly coming up with new things to test out and experiment yeah and i i was not good at this at first believe me and i'll get to the reason why but the yeah. first thing i say is your input affects your output mm -hmm. So I want to say again, your input affects your output. If you want to have great ideas, you need to start learning from outside your industry and getting ideas from other, other people. And so, you know, I, I literally read every book from P.T. Barnum and Walt Disney at 23 years old. I was obsessed with trying to learn on how, because we were failing. When I, our first team, there was only $268 in the bank account my first day. And, the, you know, I couldn't pay myself for three months. I had to figure out how to uh, attract people. So, uh, you know, we, I, I'm constantly, you know, learning from Carnival Cruise, learning from Vegas shows, learning from like Blue Man Group and learning from the Ritz-Carlton and Chick-fil-A. And I'm constantly trying to, to open up myself to see other things and then put them into what we can do. Um, any type of show experience I'm obsessed with. So input affects your output. So if you're really trying to get better at something, learn from people outside your industry that are very good at it and apply it to your industry. And then that makes it different. Number two, and I think this is probably the best one. And this is one that can start right now is... Uh, you got to work your idea muscle. So <laughs> for me, uh, you know, I used to, I played baseball and, you know, now I'm a runner. Um, running is very easy for me because I run every day. 
you know, I can go run a 5k and 10k with a really good time because I run every day because my, yeah. my body is trained now like a runner. It's very mm -hmm. easy. Um, whereas a lot of people to go run a 10k in a six minute pace is very, very difficult. For me, it's, it's unfortunate. I've been doing it every day for six years because yep. I worked that muscle. Four years ago, I said, I need to start coming up with more ideas and better ideas. So I said, I'm going to start writing down 10 ideas a day. And Kelsey, it was hard. It still is hard, mm -hmm. but I've learned a few tricks to make it easier. So when I started doing that, it was obviously all geared towards the bananas, you know, promotional ideas, merchandise ideas, et cetera. It, it was almost all geared towards the business. But what I did this summer is like, can I train this? Can I teach this with some one of our people? So we brought in a new director of entertainment. I said, I'm going to see if we can do this together. So every day he became my accountability partner, Zach, our director of entertainment. I said, we're going to do 10 ideas every morning, every day together. And then he's 23 years old, 24 years old. He's never done anything like this. And so what we did to make it easy is that every day we had a theme and at four o'clock, five o'clock, we sent the other person what the theme was. And then that next morning we did it. We had a theme, uh, promotional ideas, uh, senior citizen promotional ideas, Guinness book of world records that we can break, um, whole field promotions, um, uh, pregame intro promotions. It was very geared towards the show, uh, post-game interviews. How can we do those differently than everyone else? Pre-game hype videos. And every day we had a different theme. And when you narrow your on a theme, it's a lot easier to think. You say, come up with 10 ideas. Well, I don't know where to start. So yeah. we came up with a theme. And then what happened is we started training this. The first three to five are easy, but it's it's the five through 10 that really forces you. That's when you're running the last stretch of that mile and you're really tired, you're exhausted, but that pushes you, pushes you to get it. So now it's it's become easier for me. And now I see ideas in everything. When I go, I just was in Kansas City. I go to an old barbecue joint. I see ideas. I see the things they have set up in the barbecue house. And I think, ooh, this is an idea. The food, the desserts, how can we put that into our stadium? And so you train yourself to see those ideas. Mm -hmm. I love that. It's like, as with anything, it takes practice, right? People are so quick to say, I'm just not creative. But it's like, no, you're just telling yourself that. Why not tell yourself, I am creative. I just need to write down 10 ideas a day. Or I just need to give myself a little bit of structure around creativity. Like, I love yeah. that you didn't let that hold you back and you weren't born a naturally gifted, created person. You just said, let's come up with some sort of process where we email each other every day and let's see what happens from there. And we, we did it back and forth. So we actually, the accountability partner. So we would, if I was with him, we would actually do it together. If not, we would do it on a Zoom. And so yeah. I'd let him go too, and then I'd go too. And what happens is we build on the ideas together. Yeah. So we, we had you come up with the idea. All right, how do we go that? And we learned to build it together. But I mean, it's everything like 10 ideas on how you can do invoices differently. 10 ideas, you know, I mean, there's just so many different things that you can look at in your business. If you look at every touch point, 10 ideas on this, and you're going to find when you're like, let's just try it. Let's just do it differently. Mm -hmm. And then once you find an idea that you absolutely love, What's the process for actually implementing it? Because I think that's a like a barrier too. It's like, yeah, we can come up with these creative campaigns, but how many do you move forward? What do you know, or how do you know what to focus on from this ideation process? Uh, we don't. <laughs> I mean, I mean, being very upfront, like we'll we'll look at certain things. Like, all right, if we all agree that's one to test, we'll just test it. There's no. I mean, I, I know people want metrics, and I was like, well, how do you know if it works? I don't know, you just start doing it. Do you start hearing? Do you feel good about it? Is it on brand? Right. You're saying about it. Um, you know, constraints foster creativity. And so what I mean by that is every game we force ourselves from a show standpoint that we have to do four brand new promotions we've never done before. One during the game, one pregame, one new hitter walk up and one new scoring celebration. And because that's a constraint, it's just like, uh, you know, the, uh, what's Lauren Michaels said, uh, um, we're not, the show's not ready, but it's 1130 or something along those lines. I have the exact quote, but like it's 1130, the show must go on. Yeah. And so we, that was a constraint. Every Saturday, no matter what, the show's the show might not be ready, but it's at 1130, you got to start. And so what are those constraints you can say, hey, next week in my business, I'm going to do one new thing when it comes to uh, the onboarding of a new client. One new thing. and I'm going to test it. When I give my keynote speeches, I read an outline of, I always ch challenge myself to do two new things, two new stories, two new things I've never done. And what I do when I'm giving it, I'm watching the audience. How's the reaction? Most times it doesn't work well. They're like, oh, that didn't work, but you just move on to the next. Yeah. And it's your next at bat. So it's, it's just do and then learn, do and then learn, do and then learn. Hmm. That's such a, an interesting concept because I think so often with like a regular marketing plan, we do put constraints. It's like, I'm going to post on Instagram three times a week. Yeah. I'm going to send out my weekly newsletter and I'm going to host one training each month. 
but we don't often put constraints around the experimentation. And I think that's such a good reminder because marketing, it does need experimentation. You have to put on that scientist hat and be like, okay, let's try some things. Some of these things are gonna explode in our face and fail, um, which often leads us to not wanna do them. It's like, oh, I don't wanna enter this new territory because it might not work. But if you just say, this is just part of our marketing strategy, right? We have these constraints around what we need to do weekly to test new concepts, to, you know, like drive new campaigns and and, and, and so to go with it's like how often though do we say we're going to do what we did uh hey we're going to do three new emails we're just going to follow we look at an old email and we say all right we're going to use part of this because this worked and just do this how often do we actually come with a new frame of mind a blank sheet of paper because yeah. you know with the press release like oh well you're going to use most of that and just go this and how much are you really learning there i would think from everything you do how much can you learn from it because the faster you learn the better you'll get mm-hmm and so that's part of it too. I, I think you're right, that constraints, but try to think what's this new idea that I'm putting here that I haven't done before. Mm-hmm. That's the challenge. Have you hit any exciting milestones recently that you want to celebrate? Like has an idea taken off that you didn't expect? Have you like conquered anything that you're really proud of lately that you want to celebrate here? <laughs> oh, geez, that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, we, we just announced our world tour. And so, again, this started as the one city world tour last year. So you talk about doing a little experiment. We announced it big, the one city. We announced it the world tour, but we're just going to one city. <laughs> so it's outrageous. And we did that last year. And so we had to announce it again this year. We're going to go to five, six, seven cities. So we brought in a yellow helicopter, cryogenics, a yellow carpet, uh, yellow carpet, rolled it out and did this over the top Facebook live. And uh, just in, a, in 24 hours, I think we've had over 5,000 uh, suggestions from fans on where we should go. And so it's, it, you know, again, you think larger than life on how to do things and you start executing it. So, you know, we've heard from over 500 cities about the bananas coming to here. So part of, I think, from a marketing standpoint, Kelsey, is how do you involve your fans? How do you involve your customers? And every lot of people do this, but don't just make a decision sometimes saying, hey, if your fans are like, what should we do next? Where should we go? Do you want to see this? We let our fans literally pick our name, pick our mascot's name, design our t-shirts, design our jerseys. We let even our fans determine who was going to pitch in a game, which was a big mistake because the pitcher allowed six runs in that inning. We lost the game. But that's a whole other conversation. But again, when you involve your fans and people, it, it really gets that sense of uh, tribe mentality and that we're a part of something. And we're always asking our fans. Hey, Visionary, are you ready to launch your business? If you're looking for a way to get started, we can help. The Visionary Method is a weekly coaching program that will guide you through the process of launching your business and generating revenue in as little as 12 weeks. We have helped over 100 entrepreneurs build their businesses from scratch and find community with people just like them. You don't have to do this alone. It doesn't matter if you're an introvert or extrovert, young or old, experienced or brand new. Our method works for everyone who wants it badly enough. This isn't about getting rich quick. It's about creating something meaningful that changes lives and makes the world a better place. Join us today by heading to KelseyRidal.com for details or click the link in the show notes and learn more about the visionary method. So important and so often overlooked. It's like, you know, we're often trying to like sit in our office by ourselves, like, what do they want? What's going to be the next big thing? Like, what should we do for our winter campaign? It's like, talk to people, get outside, speak with them, ask them what they're loving, ask them, you know, what ideas they have and involve them in the co-creation of this brand. Don't feel like it's all on you or just all on me because they are the reason you exist. So talk to them. <laughs> yeah, You don't know anything at all until you put something out there. Yeah. You don't know anything. We can we can think, 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 think. But once you put it out there, that's when you do all your learning. And I remember Herb Kelleher when he was interviewed by a um, reporter right when he started Southwest Airlines. He said, "What's your what's your business strategy?" And he said, "It's called doing things." That was that's all he said. It's called doing things, and that's literally how Southwest grew to what they were doing. So I just think that's that's a we need to do more. We need to explore, experiment more, and try new things. And that's that's kind of what we're always doing. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I feel like that's one of your core values too. It's like try and fail or something or experiment. Yeah, I forget. It's yeah. written in your book somewhere, but I was like, yes, that's what we need to do as marketers. Just keep trying things and it's okay to say that didn't work. So it's a really great reminder. You'll learn so much more from things that don't work. And also, yeah. you know, I think I heard this from uh, John Acuff. He said, you either have a success or a story, which yeah. I love. Oh my God. Yeah. Because, I mean, you think about that, like the stories that of things that don't go right actually helps build your brand sometimes even more than the success. Like hearing how Amazon lost $200 million on their Fire Phone 
Like mm-hmm. that actually gives me lots more respect for Amazon. It's all like everything they do is gold. Like, no, yeah. you made a huge mistake. But that also the technology they learned from the Fire Phone helped develop yeah. Amazon Alexa. So like, that's a huge success. If you say it costs $200 million of research and development to build Alexa, which is a billion, billion, billion dollars. Yeah. It's worth it. So that, that's a sick story. And then it becomes a success. Mm-hmm. It's so true. I love that. And they always say storytelling is the oldest form of marketing. So yeah, if you fail, tell a story out of it. And that is promotion for your business. So yeah. great What's reminder. What's the story? What's the origin story of your business? Why should people care? Why does it matter? What are the tra- challenges you've gone through, the adversities? All yeah. those stories matter. And I think you're right. We need more more and more storytelling. I mean, no one is a better storyteller than Walt Disney. And then, you know, they, people are still telling his story 70 years later. Yeah. Okay, so for anyone who's watching this on YouTube, they'll see that you're in a yellow tux right now. For anyone who's listening to the audio version on podcast, you can't see Jesse, but he's wearing a yellow tuxedo, a yellow hat. I'm curious, like, can you explain this concept of the yellow tux? This is also the name of your book. So maybe tell us a little bit of what we can learn if we pick up a copy of the book as well. Well, yeah, we could talk again about uh, uh, criticism. Uh, I've received my fair share of criticism for this crazy. I bet, yeah. Especially when walking through an airport, I'm going to give a speech for the looks that I get. What is wrong with that guy? It's outrageous. But uh, yeah, you know, very simple on the Yellow Tuck story. It's about 10 years now. So um, with our first team in Gastonia, you're putting on a show every night, pieing fans and singing and dancing. And I was dressed like everyone else. And it just didn't feel on brand. You know, someone that was putting on the show, everything learned from BTPT Barnum. I'm the showman. I got to be dressed like a showman. So right. um, I called my buddy um, who owned a bridal and formal shop. I go, you got any like PT Barnum tuxedos? He goes, I have no idea what you're talking about, Jesse. I go, PT, but like, yeah, like the tails and the top hat. He's like, all right, I got you. So he got me a black tuxedo. Um, and I wore it that first night. It was 101 degrees in North Carolina. And I almost melted. Like, I was literally like, this is the hottest night of my life. Like, I couldn't move. So I, I looked online. I was like, huh, can I find a lighter color? And our former team had yellow in it. So it's not just the Savannah Vans. I actually wore this before the Savannah Vans. And I uh, found yellow, shipped it overnight, wore it. And fans just started coming up, taking pictures. It became part of the show. People didn't even know my name. Uh, can I, t- is the yellow tux guy here? Like, yeah. I'm like, okay, that's fine. That's actually branding. We'll work on that. Like I usually got invited to speak and they didn't know my name. It's like, can the yellow tux guy MC or speak at our event? They didn't even know who I was, but they just oh. wanted, I was like, all right, I guess that's good branding. Um, mm-hmm. So it became my uniform and, you know, I, I big sports guy. And, you know, I know when you put on your uniform, it's game time. You, you raise your, your level of intensity and, and, you know, um, the sportsmanship to, during that level. So for me uh, with the yellow tux, when I put it on at showtime, and so when I know whether I'm wearing it on a show, a podcast, at our ballpark, like I'm my fullest self. I'm full energy. I'm putting on a show. And, uh, you know, I, Todd Herman wrote a great book, The Alter Ego Effect. You know, yeah. sometimes when you put like this is it. When I'm out of this, I'm with my family. It's just me and the kids hanging out. Yeah. But yeah, when this yeah. is on, hey, it's it's promoter, show, showmanship, Jesse. And that's that's what I enjoy. I love that. And for somebody who is interested in the book, but they're like, well, what's he talking about for 300 pages? Can you give us a brief rundown? Because personally, I would like highly recommend the book. I love the concept. I love all the stories you share, but I want to hear it from your mouth. Why should people read this book or who is it perfect for? <laughs> well, the, the, the theme of the book is how to be successful by standing out. So I share the journey, um, you know, from the mirror moment and finding, uh, you know, the challenges in your life and the adversity and how you can be different. And then just literally, uh, I think it's for anybody. I believe everyone has something that makes them stand out, but they're hidden by their desire to fit in. And yeah. because, you know, it's very easy to fit in, but we were born to stand out. And so I think it's just finding the best version of yourself and just owning it and embracing it and starting with the end in mind. I mean, I wrote that book five years ago. I'm on, my second book's coming out uh, this spring. Oh, right? no way. Um, and, uh, you know, I started with my eulogy. You know, for someone in their I early 30s writing a eulogy is tough, all right? And yeah, it's evolved over the last five years as I matured and grown our family. But, you know, start with the end in mind. What do you want to be known for? How do you want to be remembered? And then start building towards that. And so I kind of shared how that's worked in business for us and how it's worked in our life. And uh, mm-hmm. it's been a fun read, mm-hmm. fun write. And it helps yeah. people sleep at night, I think, too. I totally <laughs> loved that concept of writing your eulogy first. Um, and I think that's a fun exercise for anybody who just like has maybe a bit of uncertainty in their vision of their business. I would recommend they read your eulogy and then write their own because I think it's really inspiring to start with the end in mind and then reverse engineer. How am I going to get there? And who do I need to become or who do I need to be today in order for that vision to come true? Thank you. I, I think also I've, I've reframed that too, to think about that from your business. You know, we're talking to obviously entrepreneurs, people in marketing and sense, like, how do you, how do you want your business to be remembered? 
what would be your business eulogy? Yes. And, and if you write that, you're going to start. I, I did a video the other day that we should be focusing more on quarter centuries, not on quarters. And every business is focusing on what's quarter, what's next quarter. When you think about how do you want to be remembered with legacy or the obituary, the eulogy of your business, you will start planning for the long term and maybe start creating long term fans instead of short term profits. And that's a different game. And so mm. that's I think that's another good model or exercise any company could do. So can you tell us the concept of your next book or is that a secret still? Oh, of course. No, the, the title I've already, again, we've evolved our fans. I've already got hundreds of stories from fans and, wow. and some questions on, oh yeah, it's, it, well, the name of the book is Fans First. Uh, cool. Change the game, break the rules, create an unforgettable experience. Mm. And, uh, we will definitely be yeah. looking forward to that one. So everyone can read, find your yellow tux right now, and then they can anxiously await your second book. Uh, but in the meantime, where are the best places for our listeners to connect with you, to learn about the Savannah Bananas? Where do you want them to reach out? Sure, e easy to find if you search Savannah Bananas or yellow tux. I was even told you search yellow tux, you'll find me. But I spend most of my time on LinkedIn. I, I do a lot of posts on LinkedIn and uh, the team is everywhere. It's crazy, you know, from selling only two tickets. Now we have 1.2 million social media followers and 250,000 more followers than every major league baseball team on TikTok. So we're, we've really started to develop a pretty good fan base. So you can find us there. We put in videos out constantly and having fun. So, well, thank you for modeling what it is to have fun while you're building a business. And I'm sure it's not all easy, but at the same token, it's also incredible that you're able to infuse your personality and to really keep the vision strong as you're building out this, this amazing epic brand. So thank you so much, Jesse, for sharing your story and all your wisdom on the marketing hotline. We really, really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Visionary Life. I love bringing you these conversations on a weekly basis. So it would mean so much to me if you could help me out by rating and reviewing the show in your iTunes app. You can also support the show by taking a quick screenshot of the episode and sharing it on your Instagram stories, tagging me at Kelsey Rydell. I'll catch you in the next episode. P.S. Whenever you're ready, there's a couple of ways that I can support you. So first thing, if you're ready to make your first or next $50,000 in business, explore how the Visionary Method Business Coaching Experience can accelerate your growth. There'll be a link in the show notes. Also, if you're feeling lost, confused, or overwhelmed when it comes to starting an online business, reach out and book a free revision call with me. I'll offer you customized recommendations on how to get unstuck so you can live a life filled with joy, happiness, and fulfillment.